I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Today, I have another fellow Aussie as a guest on my podcast today. I'm very excited to have her. Her name is Stacey Morgan. And before I bring her on, I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro. And and she is a business coach. And her accent, of course, is amazing. So enjoy listening to every word that she has to say. And so Stacey is a no fluff and direct is the approach that Stacey Morgan uses when she is business coaching. She has dedicated herself to encouraging women and busy moms to find their own version of success. She provides real world insight and the tools to create their blueprint for success, all while hosting two podcasts named Miss Bossy Boots. It's a fun one. And how to run a successful business and still have a life. Stacy is a passionate entrepreneur and small business consultant from Australia. She is the principal of Port Macquarie Performing Arts, a dance school on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. She is also the director of Morgan Media, a global podcast production company that focuses on podcasts related to small businesses, the arts, and raising a family. Stacey is a sought-after speaker, facilitator, and business consultant, offering online business consulting to small businesses around the world. She's a finalist in the Telstra Business Women's Awards in 2020. Stacey is using her knowledge from her successful six-figure businesses to coach and consult with business women business owners juggling their own business while also raising a family. Please welcome Stacey Morgan to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. You did so well in all of those Australian words that you had to pronounce then. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was like, okay, I got this. I got this. And uh, I felt like I was saying business a lot. It was, it was like. <laughs> I do do a lot of business. That's probably why. It's how we make money. It's how we make money, right? So so uh, before we get started, I, I do an icebreaker question with my guests. And if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and ask. I'm so ready. I've been okay. looking forward to it. All right. So in the spirit of the name of the podcast, Chaos and Cookies, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, cookie memory. My favorite cookie is like, no doubt, just chocolate chip, just (laughs) gooey chocolate chip, but warmed up. And I guess my favorite cookie memory is making them with my children. I've got three kids, Henry, Patrick, and Lucinda. And we try and do that on a Saturday afternoon. My husband works on a Saturday. And so I worked during the week and Saturdays we have together. And you know, when you've had one of those weeks where it's just chaos and there's mm-hmm. so much going on and I find that I get to Saturday afternoon and I'm just about to explode. <laughs> I just <laughs> seconds to myself and getting in the kitchen with the kids is a really great way to firstly pass the time, but also to create memories with them where they're involved, they're learning something, they're doing something, they really look forward to it. And so, you know, baking cookies with them on a Saturday afternoon whilst I'm counting down the minutes and hours until my husband gets home from work and I can 
<sighs> take a breath Grace. and know that I got through the week is uh, yeah, possibly my, my best cookie memory. That's great. How old are your children? Henry's four and Patrick six and Lucinda's nine. Oh, you're right in there. You're in it. So yeah. So this week that of the, of the recording. So my oldest will be eight and a half on Sunday. Cause it's his half birthday. My middle child who's six now will be seven on Friday. And my youngest who is four is going to be five on Sunday. So oh, wow. I know, I know. So we got double birthday parties and just rocking and rolling. And so, um, you're right in it. Same, same ages. So fun age, fun, a lot, but it's full on, right? It just doesn't, you just think you've got hold of it and then it changes again. Yeah. And they they move the goalpost and then you've got to go, okay, here we go. I know. And it's never an easy post. It's always like, we're going to put it on the other side of the field. <laughs> we're not going to just inch it. <laughs> but we're not going to tell you that. <laughs> right. And so which one is your girl? Lucinda is the oldest. She's nine. Oh, she's the oldest. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think I was going to have a girl. Ballet teachers traditionally have boys and I don't know what that's about, but I was so lucky and blessed when, when they said, it's a girl. I said, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, we've got a beautiful little girl. And does she dance? She does. She does dance. She doesn't love it like I love it, but right. she does. Isn't that heartbreaking? I've got my my middle is my girl. And so I've got bookend boys, and they're also so different. So my oldest is not, he's very fast and he likes sports, but he's not very good at them. So he's more of like the brainy kid, I think. He's just very in his head. He's, but we're, we're doing swim team now and it seems to be really, really great. Cause it's like a team sport, but individual. So he doesn't have to like chase a ball. Um, yeah. and my daughter's very girly likes to dance, doing gymnastics. And my youngest is going to be like the athlete he's switch hitter, all these things. He really wants to go play baseball and all the, and everything. So I was a soccer player. I played in college and I was like, I have three kids and one is bound to play. One is bound to love it. And not yet has anyone like taken to it. So it's like, isn't it just what a bummer? <laughs> Unless maybe your boys are into it, but it's like, oh, really? You don't like it? That's just like a sweet torture that you have all of this opportunity and you have all this passion. And yeah, it just doesn't translate. And that's, you know, that's the universe teaching us our work, right? We have to then go work on ourselves and go, well, why is it important to me that she likes dancing? Like, that's my thing. <laughs> And then yes. work through that, which is again, you know, the goalposts moving again. Like, oh, what do you mean? I've got it. I just had the. I've, I've got these three children. What do you mean? I'm now got to go and work on myself again. Right. <laughs> no, I 100, 100. So it's just funny. Um, and it's and I. So when I uh, was a kid, I did gymnastics, and I hated it. I begged my mom to let me quit. Now I figured out, I realized, I think why I hated it so much. And it wasn't the activities and things. Cause I was, I was quite good. Uh, but I begged her and now I understand that, you know, you pay for a session. So you have to wait till, you know, you pay for the yeah. thing. So now it makes sense where she's like, no, you have to wait till Thanksgiving when your grandpa comes to see you, then you can quit. And really that just meant like the payments were over. And so I then realized, so my coach in gymnastics was Bella Caroli, the U.S. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. 
no wonder I probably hated it because they ran. A, I went to Caroli's gym. That was the, the, that's where I trained, and I was like, this is awful. <laughs> oh, see, I'm fangirling because the movie Nadia. I watched until I watched it like I, I ran out the tape when I was younger, and that was about Nadia's journey and Bella, and they don't paint him well accurately. Right, <laughs> they paint paint him quite well <laughs> yeah he yeah they're they are very Russian like they're very like they're very direct and they're very like it's just the way that they speak and that's their culture that's just it and so I had a Ukrainian exchange student live with me when we were 16 so they're very just different type of communication style and thinking and I looking back knowing that that was my coach and where I trained like no wonder I hated it they were like really hard. Like they just, I don't want to call it slave driving, but God, it was just intense training. And I just wasn't for me. And now I know why. <laughs> Eight-year-old me on the other side of the world, he would have done anything to be in a gym with Bella Caroli. I mean, once I got there, I would have hated it and it would have been a completely right. different experience. But the, the picture that was painted for me when I was younger, that was this, this man could make me a champion. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, man, they did, they, they rolled them out. Like they, they were great, you know, with the, with the U S team and everything. But, you know, I just look back, I'm like, that could have been me, Dominique Mochianu days, but, uh, you know, uh, it's hard work, grueling work. Um, so anyway, I thought that that was just a funny, fun story real quick to just like add in there for sports that we like, don't like, <laughs> like your kids do. <laughs> so let's jump in a little more about what you do. So you have two podcasts. I love the names of them. And so what's the difference between the two? Great question. So Miss Bossy Boots, I started with my um, my business bestie. I think it's always important to have a business bestie when you're mm-hmm. going along this road of entrepreneurship. And, and Jane Hilston, who is a marketing consultant, uh, she and I used to just get together and have lunch and we would just chat business. And these lunches would you know, go on for three hours because we had so much to say. So we decided to start a podcast together and that's Miss Bossy Boots. And um, we started back in 2014 and we would just catch up every two weeks. And instead of having lunch, we would just go to a podcast studio and and just chat about what had been going on in our business that week. Sometimes we interviewed people. Sometimes we just um, chatted amongst ourselves. Sometimes we would come in and, you know, the world would be ending. Something would have happened in our business and everything would be falling apart. And we'd kind of console each other through that process. Um, Sometimes we will have would have gone through a you know something really challenging and have learned the lessons on the other side and then got to share those uh, with our audience. We racked up a hundred episodes and then we um, decided to take a little break because I was starting my own podcast. She's got a fabulous podcast as well. And that was really taking off. And so I miss Miss Vossy Boots because we don't record with any regularity at the moment, but we do have a bunch of um, episodes that if you're a woman in business and you are feeling like sometimes you're the only person going through what you're going through, then Miss Bossy Boots is a great point of connection. I encourage you to subscribe and, and listen. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And how to business and still have a life is my podcast. Which where is I jump completely the spot on, by the way, with the name. Uh, that's the thing that I found. Like I've been running my own businesses for, you know, 25 years now and I always feel like when one thing is going well, 
nothing else can go well. Or there's always this juggle, this pull and push, this back and forth between being able to run a successful business and also see my friends and go out for dinner and spend time with my children and, um, you know, just have a, you know, a moment to myself to watch a series on Netflix or all of those. Work-life balance. You'd like a work-life balance. Absolutely. So how to run a successful business and still have a life is, you know, thoughts and feelings from me and based on the books that I've read and based on the research that I've done and the professional development that I've done myself in order to, to be successful in business over all of these years, it's, it's a podcast that helps you A, feel like you're not alone and B, gives you the tools to be able to uh, make little changes, just really little changes in your life that can make a big difference and hopefully can give you more time in life for the things that really matter, which is what's really important to me. Absolutely. It's being more efficient, being smarter with your time. Um, I talk about that all the time, smarter, not harder, and just trying to consolidate tasks as best you can, because being a mom of three, especially with kids, our age, are, are, are not our age, not our kids, our age, but kids that we have together. <laughs> we also don't have kids together. You know what I'm saying? So the kids that are of age that we have currently residing in our home are young and require a lot of time. My oldest is wearing braces. So of course, you know, now there's orthodontist appointments to be added to the regular routine. And then you've got sports and activities and schoolwork. Oh, you know, um, your youngest is probably going into kindergarten next year. Mine is too. So that's just like quote unquote real school. It kind of counts, I suppose. So there's so many working parts with just being a mom. And once they come home at three, three 30, they're not really just home They're you know, we're running in every direction. So using the time, yeah. Whole work day. And then at three o'clock, the whole day starts again. And it's, it's a different type of work, different mindset. And so when you have those hours during the day where they're at school, which gosh, pandemic was terrible because when they were all the way home all the time, it was like, that was my time to work on my business. That's my time to get things done. And then trying to juggle both at the same time, it's like, one's got to go or something suffers. So fitting it all in at one time or in the limited amount of time we have is important. Yeah, absolutely. And so how to run a successful business and still have a life is, is my way of consolidating all of those skills and tools that I've found that work for me along the way and being able to share those with my audience. So I would love you to come and subscribe to that too. Yeah, of course. Yes. I mean, as fellow podcasters like to uh, definitely promote others because I think everyone's got something. This is a platform that you can share ideas and tips and tricks. And sometimes we could be saying the exact same thing, but in a completely different way and it resonates. So I always encourage to always listen because you might've heard it a thousand times, but maybe that one will click for you because that person is your person. Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share. It's um, podcasting is super fun, right? It is. I I really enjoy it. Um, You meet really cool people and you make connections that you wouldn't typically make and you get, you get your good, good ones and your bad ones. <laughs> but for the most part, it's just really fun. Um, and, and it's, it, it, for me personally, I don't know how you do it, but I don't do warmups or pre meetings. I meet you like we just met five minutes ago before we started. I try to do it unless I know you from before 
I don't know you. And so it's a really great way to just have some good chemistry and learn organically. Yes. I love that too. I used to be in breakfast radio before I started my business and it was like this, but the things that I had to speak about were predetermined by my Mm. bosses, by the studio executives. And um, so it was, you know, I'd walk into work and today I might be talking about the Kardashians and next week I might be talking about the new season of Survivor. And it, it wasn't, it didn't allow me, yes, it did allow me to to do it in this fashion, but it didn't allow me to be able to talk about topics that I really enjoyed. Sure. Like you can only talk about Kim Kardashian for so long. Um, <laughs> it's so lovely to be able to, you know, it's not my full-time job anymore, but I still do get the opportunity to use this platform, but I get to talk to fabulous people like you and talk about stuff that interests me. So it's, yes, it's, um, it takes the chains off and, 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 and releases the cuffs a little bit. And so you're able to talk about things that matter the way you want to do it, maybe for the amount of time you want to. <laughs> so it's all, you know, not as regulated, which is nice, you know, but, but then again, you know, then you got the other side of the coin where when it is regulated, you don't have to do a lot of the thinking and a lot of the prep, they just present it to you and you get to go talk about it. And that's it. <laughs> no, maybe not. I mean, that's not how it works. That's what I had to do so much. Like just that fake laugh, just that. Oh, um, oh, <laughs> I'd say I don't have to do that when I'm talking to you, but that's what I did a lot of, a lot of the day. Like I would go to work to fake laugh for three hours. At you're my on co-host. a bad date and you have to laugh at the bad jokes. Yes. yes yeah. it's my, I had a co-host who was not funny, but thought he was hilarious. And then oh, I no. spent the whole morning going. <laughs> oh no. It's seven. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, wow. That's so funny. Well, let's take a little bit of a, of a pivot to your business now, um, apart from your podcast. So how are you helping women business owners do, do the thing? Do life. <laughs> do life. Do life and do all of the juggling. <laughs> well, I'm so lucky that I was able to be certified as a business made simple coach. I love the story brand framework and Donald Miller and the work that he does. And and the certification that I did with him really gave me a a better understanding of not just the things that work for me, but the things that can work for other people in business as well. So the, the amount of tools that you have to have in your tool belt as a business owner, you know, when you first start your own business, you're not only delivering the product or service that you are passionate about, but you're also the person that's doing the sales and then you're doing the marketing and you're posting on social media and you're cleaning the toilets and you're doing it all. Doing it all. And um, I think getting from doing it all to a place where you're doing the things that are in your zone of genius. You're doing the things that you're good at. You're doing the things that you hopefully enjoy. And you're in a position where you can manage more of your time. Um, that's the part about business coaching that I love. I love being able to work with a business owner that feels like they're kind of their heads going underwater and being able to get them up and on on a on a flotation device or on a ship or, you know, being able to really get them from that. Keep them afloat. Yeah. That moment where they think, was this, was this a good decision? And we've all been there and, and get them to a a place where they're thriving. That's really the rewarding part of my job. And I do that in, you know, several different ways. I do one-on-one coaching. I have a a group mastermind program called Thrive that we do once a year. I have um, in-person retreats, which, you know, I'd love your listeners 
to head to Australia. We're heading to the Great Barrier Reef in the middle. I want to go. Can I come? I want to come. Gosh, I would love to have you. Let's let's aim <laughs> you for sure. Um, and yeah, so I just I I do whatever I can to help, um, especially women business owners and especially mums who are in business. Um, you know get through that fog, find their way and hopefully get some clarity about the things that they should be doing in their business and some tools to, to bring on board so that they can focus on those things um, in life that really matter to them. Because so, so many times we get into business ourselves because we want to be able to control our time. We want to be able to work from nine till three and then go pick up the kids and, and then, you know, take them to all of their activities and, and do all of that. But what ends up happening is we end up you know, losing control of that time and and that time just disappears. We end up working from five o'clock in the morning until, you know, the kids go to bed and then we get back on the laptop and we're on the laptop till, you know, way too late. And then, you know, we're not looking after ourselves. The business might be coming, kicking along okay, but we are missing out on those really important moments in our life because we're just so busy. So that's my passion, helping women get get through that fog and, and get some clarity and, and run a successful business and still have a life. Right. Right. Because I mean, then you also tend, I mean, I was just at gymnastics with my daughter yesterday and I was working while she was there because yeah. I mean, I'm behind glass. It's, it's all the things. And so I'm doing work and watching her instead of just not working and watching. And so trying to run or do things on your spare time or cutting the day at three is hard because by the time you get home for me personally, like I take them to school and I come home and if I want to work out, I do it before I'm not a morning person. So trying to wake up before they do, I've tried it. I'm still trying not working. And I know I won't work out in the afternoons because by then I'm already like full fledged in my day. And I'm like, I can't stop. Right. Yeah. And so knowing exactly. So by the time I'm all done, you've got now a smaller chunk, but then it's self-care. So you have to find that balance and what works for you. Absolutely. And it's, you're absolutely preaching to the choir here because I do exactly the same thing. If I'm not working out in the morning, then it's not happening at all. (laughs) Um, So I hope you don't mind me sharing with your audience, my little life hack when it comes to share. Yes. When I get up in the morning, I put on a sports bra immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Because if the bra's on, I'm so much more likely to get on the Peloton right? or to some kind of workout. Whereas if I kind of just go, oh, well, I'll just get dressed to, to have breakfast and drop the kids at school. And when I get home, I'll get dressed into my workout gear. Never going to happen. I will make any excuse in my mind. I'm known, you know, I know myself well enough. Yeah. I'll make any excuse that, oh, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not dressed for it. So I'll just do this or I'll just answer those emails. I'll just put a load of washing on. I'll go do this, that, whatever I can. Whereas if I get up, I go, oh, well, my sports bra is on. So I might as well jump on and. Right. Same thing. Ride, and then, yeah, you know, go about my day. And that, I don't know about you, but, you know, we talk about habit stacking and. and yeah. Love habit me. stacking. Atomic habits. James oh, Clear. Great yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. I talk about it all the time and making that a habit. Oh, I find that if I've done the workout, my behaviors for the rest of the day are so much better. Like I will make choices when it comes to what I'm eating. I will, um, you know, be less likely to want to just get takeout at the end of the day and, you know, go back to the meal that I've actually planned. Whereas if I don't work out for the rest of the day, I kind of go, oh, well, I, 
you know, today's a bit, a bit of a write-off, so I won't worry. <laughs> right. No, exactly. I, same hack, same hack. I always say like, if I, if I get up and put my workout clothes on to take them to school, when I get home, I can walk right into the house and go immediately straight to work out instead of stopping being groggy, put my stuff down and be like, Oh, that couch looks great. I'm not I'll get up in a minute. And once you're sitting and you're like, and then you start looking at your phone and then you're on with your day. And so going straight in to be able to do it, I used to go straight from drop off to a gym and I don't go to the gym. Now I just work out in my closet. And so that was another way of me getting it done without distraction. So I agree. That's a habit. That's key. I mean, have you ever slept in your stuff before? So you're like, I'm so tired and I know I won't get up and do it. So I'm just going to sleep in my sports bra and leggings. No, no, I haven't got that far. That things would have to be pretty dire for me to to sleep. I love pajamas. I, my husband actually last week said, could we like, just think about maybe culling the pajama drawer? Like (laughs) everyone's got their thing. Yep. And I just love cozy pajamas. So, um, the, if I had to sleep in my workout gear, it would be depriving me of one of my favorite things in, in oh, life. Oh no, I can't do that. I have, I have though. I, I, I knew if I was like, if I'm going to try for a 5am workout, I might just need to sleep in it because I won't get up at five. I'll get up at six, go take my kids and then come back. But if I really want to get the workout in, cause I know I have a lot to do and I need to get an early start for work, then it's like, I'm already up. I'm dressed. I'm uncomfortable because I'm sleeping in not great clothes. So might as well end it. That's brilliant. I love it. (laughs) So where, and I have, well, before I ask where, where we can find you and all the things, I have a personal question actually, because you are the principal at a ballet school. I am. And so I did. Yeah. actually two ballet schools and I danced ballet until I was 16 and then I had to choose I had to choose between ballet and soccer and I knew I'm I'm five foot one so not gonna be a prima donna like just not prima ballerina just not going I'm not tall and skinny I'm petite I'm little and so soccer I loved so much and I really like dancing too I've danced point and um and flats as well and I had yeah. No idea. <laughs> yeah. Since I was, I think around two years old, did a little bit of tap dancing. And so I was at um, ballet school and I danced two, three times a week. And then I did soccer. I went typically I'd go from like, I played violin as well. So I'd go to like from violin practice to ballet, to soccer or ba- um, from soccer to ballet, back to soccer, to another team. So it was always in, in, in there. And so um, I'm just curious on how that, like, that world works, I guess. Cause I, you know, I miss it. I was, I was, I was all right for a short person. Well, to do it all the way till when you were 16, you must've been really good. Cause I, mean, I find for some of my students, you know, ballet is such a passion of mine. And for some of my students, when they're not so passionate, they kind of drop off at the 13, 14, 15 year age. I guess when they have to choose between one thing and the other, but if you stuck it out all, all the way till when you were 16, then you must've been really good. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I stuck it out to the point where I didn't have the band with anymore. And I, I was also on the highest orchestra. So it was like violence at school. And it was also part of my credits and 
ballet, it just got too much to where I couldn't make it all work. Cause the class, the class times were not working with practices anymore because as you get older, you know, those times. And yeah. so, um, I loved it and I've danced a long time. My sister uh, dropped out when she was younger and, um, it's always just, I like the, um, not strictness, but it's just very uniform. And it's, I love all the, you know, the French and the, I was always, uh, my, my teacher was always a male too. That's so lucky because it's that male t- dance teachers are so few and far between. You're so mean sometimes. Sorry, Mr. Rome. I, if you're listening, we're still alive. I don't know. He's very older, older man, but he was a very, he smoked cigarettes out in the out in the thing, his glasses, and he would stomp his foot. He yell, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> You're not painting a very a, a very pretty picture of a ballet studio. I mean, it sounds like you had you know, between Mr. Rowe and, and Bella Caroli, you had yeah, some maybe <laughs> in your adolescence. My goodness, yeah, he um, did have a mustache too. No, he was great. He was he was he was nice. He knew what he was doing. He was very serious. He also, I believe ran the school. And so I think it was actually probably his school as well. So he had a lot going on, but he was majority, mainly my, my teaching, my teacher for the class. I don't think he did my point class. And I just remember he just was very passionate. He had a very particular way of doing it. And so do you teach or are you just a principal? No, I very much teach. And I talked to my, my team, I've got a team of 15 teachers and I talked to them all the time about the importance of the work that we do because of that impact that we can have on children's lives. Like even you just recalling um, <laughs> what your teacher was like and what he did and and the fact that he was very disciplined. And I'm sure those things that you learned in the ballet studio, that, that discipline and the, the way to do things and that reverence, I'm sure that fo- like falls over into your professional life now. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Because we talk, you know, about the importance of, we're not going to teach, not every child we're going to teach is going to become a professional ballerina, but all of the skills that we teach them in the dance studio are going to be skills that they're going to go on and use no matter what they choose to do with their lives. So we want to be the kind of teachers that have a really positive impact on our students. We want to be the home, you know, the place where they come, where they feel loved and they feel lifted up and they feel like they can do anything. And the ballet studio is also a really great place to fall down and dust yourself off and pick yourself up and, and go again, like quite literally. Mm-hmm. And it's those school, like those resilient skills so that when they, you know, when they get out into the big wide world and, and things don't go their way, they do have the skills to be able to, to say, okay, well then, you know, I'll keep going. I'll keep pushing on. And, you know, the two, I, the why I say two dance schools is I've had my, you know, my baby, my, my business, Port Macquarie Performing Arts um, for 12 years now. And I just recently um, purchased one of my friend's dance studios as well. So now I have kids in two different um, towns in two completely different areas where I, you know, am blessed that every day I get to walk into the studio and um, be a role model to them and influence them and, and bring them up in the world. And I don't take it lightly that I am a woman in business. I'm a mum. I'm not only running my own businesses, but I'm also, you know, you know, heavily involved with them. And also I'm a really hands-on and an active mum. And so I'm role modeling for them that yes, you can have your own business and have a life. You can do all the things that you want to do. And sometimes that means, you know, sacrificing. Last night I had my senior ballet class and 
and they um, they wanted to do just one more, just one more, Miss Stacey, one more exercise. And I said, no, sorry, guys, I promised Henry I would tuck him in tonight and oh. um, yeah. story time at home. So I'm I'm going to go and setting those boundaries and, and demonstrating that for them, I hope will, um, you know, it's not something that I'm standing at the front of the classroom and preaching, but I hope by demonstrating that, that that is a lesson that they take away so that when they're in this moment of their life and they have to make these, you know, these hard choices about, um, you know, leaving work and going home to, to tuck the kids into bed, they, they've seen it done before and they know that they can do it without guilt and, um, and make that happen in their own world. So I'm pretty blessed that not only do I work with incredible women business owners, but I work with a lot of young men and women um, in those really formative years as they're growing up as, as part of the two dance studios. So a nice blend. Yeah, I would say so. Well, thank you for answering. I just had a question that, and I actually do, I, you don't have to answer this because you own now two studios. Um, I always felt like they favored the boys. There were not very many. I think there were only two boys in the school because it was a smaller school and there was only two. And one was very, very, very good. And the other one was, I guess, okay. He was just maybe newer. I don't know. And I knew that one was probably going to try and make it a career, but do you typically try to foster those a little more because like are male ballet dancers rare to get? I mean, this is also what, 30 years ago, you know, 25 years ago. Well, I'd love to say that it's changed dramatically, but I've got a, you know, two studios with almost 500 students and I've got, I could count on my hands how many, how boys many boys. Um, and so, yes, there is, there is kind of that you know, nurturing that happens of the boys because they are rare. But also to be a male dancer is so much easier than being a female <laughs> dancer. <laughs> Rudolf Nerea was the greatest male dancer of our time and he started when he was 17. Like the fact that boys can just do that, you know, we all have to start when we're two years old and, and train from a really young age and, you know, make a decision at 12 if we're going to go professional or not, like because that's when that journey really starts. Whereas boys can just waltz in on it at any time and if they're – and naturally gifted and have facility, then, you know, they have, have a really good chance. I hope that none of my male teachers are listening to this when I say oh, that. No, they no. Incredible performing careers. And I know they worked very hard for them. Oh no, of course. But I was just wondering if it was more favored to say, I've noticed that they really took the time with them and probably just because they really want to keep them in the sport to bring them up. And so, but every ballet that you do see professionally, there's typically a male dancer or some other ones that are there. So, I mean, they might be coming from overseas or something like that. I don't know if it's typical American, but I also, uh, with being a sports major ballet helps a lot of football players. They would like the football coaches would put them in there to help them with coordination yes, and more I've, finesse. And I have coached one of our so so we have our own football league in, in Australia which is completely different to yours and not as rugby on. is it rugby um, or is it soccer it's rugby league rugby league okay uh, it's um I, I will I'm not an expert so I won't go into the details <laughs> but they um they contracted me to come one of our big teams contracted me to come in and do exactly that teach them a ballet class because they were having trouble moving their weight from one foot to the other as they were trying to you know avoid being tackled and so I, I was like I can do that and so that was really interesting oh I bet with all those macho guys like doing ballet yeah I wore a t-shirt that said if football were easy it would be called ballet so I had them <laughs> Really on side, really from the, the get go. <laughs> how fun! How fun! Well, I, it's a great sport. So I just—it was just a quick question because I, I haven't dug into that 
that memory bank in a while. And so typically I talk to athletes that are, you know, more sports, um, like, and not, um, ballet. So it was nice to kind of reminisce about that a little bit. And so, uh, where can our, our podcaster, uh, podcast listeners find you? We've talked about your podcast, but where can we find all of your things? I think you said you had a list that we, that you also have that's downloadable as well. Absolutely. So one of the things, one of the tools for me that is just absolutely a necessity is my to-do list. I have a a really robust to-do list system and a really robust calendar system. And that's kind of part of my productivity. And so if you'd like a copy of my to-do list so that you can um, kind of dive into that, it comes with a video that explains how it works and how to get the most out of it. Um, You can download that now at simplystacymorgan.com. You can follow me on Instagram. You can just send me a DM if that's easier. I'm at simplystacymorgan on Instagram as well. And the same on Facebook. And it's just been such a delight to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, this was so fun. Thank you for being here. And I hope you come back and and we do this again. We've got way more. We could talk all day, I feel. We can talk about our kids and the weird things that they do at this age because they're exactly the same. Like I would love to have you back. And this was such a such a fun uh, interview. And it's, I mean, you're in the future. Like we're talking to someone in the future, right? <laughs> so it's the start of my day now. So this has been a beautiful way to start my day. So I, I'm going to go out into the world with a big smile on my face. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for being here. And thank you for listening to another episode in, of the Chaos of Cookies podcast. And all the links and uh, things that you need to know are in the show notes. So just take a little peek over there and click on it and go check out Stacy's stuff. And uh, until next time, I'll catch you on another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See you all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.